Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. If you have a Bible to hand, uh, just encourage you to find Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we'll be spending most of our time together. Now, in the course of preparing for today, I had a couple of opening illustrations to try and create an outline of what I wanted to speak about. And what I've settled on is to tell you my own story of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So please do forgive me. I'm going to talk about my experience a number of times over in the next 20 minutes or so. My intent in doing that is to try and normalise this event of being filled and the events of going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I started my close walk with him about 33 years ago. Now I say my close walk because I think he's always been there, kind of around and about so to speak. I made my choice to follow Jesus when I was 13 years old and that was a work of the Spirit in a corporate setting. I knew at the time he was convicting me to make a choice. About two years later I was baptised in water, it probably could have been sooner, but in that same year I attended a youth camp near Swanage in Dorset with others from the church that I was a part of at the time. It was actually a trip that was curtailed by a violent storm which had destroyed the main marquee we were using and some of the tents we were staying in. It had forced our evening worship meeting on this one particular evening to move into a small building on the site. Now I'd say that Over the preceding couple of years, I had come to a point where I enjoyed worship. Being a teenager, I was a bit perhaps self-conscious of expressing myself very much in worship. I could bring myself to clap and I might just about uh, manage to get a hand in the air. But uh, those are things I wanted to do, but I felt uneasy about them. I would go to the evening meeting on Sundays with my dad and I remember one time the guy who led the church looking over at me across the room and sticking his hands in his pockets and pretending to look a bit grumpy as if he were acting as a mirror to me to say, look, Phil, come on, I know that you know the same Jesus I do. Respond to him. So that was my attitude to worship. And there was this one evening then in Dorset, we were in this little building on a stormy campsite one evening and a freedom came to me that I, I have never felt before up to that point. A wave of power and peace just simultaneously brought to life things that I already knew to be true and it, and it made them real. And to this very moment I can sense what it was like to be filled for the first time, filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. Any sense of unease, self-consciousness was washed away. And I was released into worship from that moment on. I had been filled with the Spirit and I knew it. What happened for me was I began to speak in tongues. I could physically sense the presence of God. And then within a few weeks, I began to bring prophetic words to our Sunday meetings. And my entire relationship with God changed. It keeps on growing whenever I come back for more. And there is always more. Tom last week taught us that we have become the people of the Spirit through our salvation. 
And over the coming weeks, we'll be drilling into that some more detail. What Tom was directing us toward was that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a normal part of our knowing Jesus. He identified that there is a moment, an occasion, when we know that we have been filled for the first time with the Holy Spirit. If, as a follower of Jesus, this has not happened to you, then before the end of our time together today, there will be opportunity for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put it in very simple words for you. You must be filled with the Spirit. What I want to do today is to show that in this moment, this occasion we are speaking about in this time it's not a one-time event I've been praying in advance of this that there would be a refreshed desire among us to receive again from the Holy Spirit and so Lord Jesus I pray for people listening to this recording that actually it will be uh, a moment when they know they can turn to you and receive of the Holy Spirit for the first time that by faith they know that if they believe in you they trust in you they ask you to receive the holy spirit then you will give the holy spirit in in unmeasured volume and unmeasured quantity freely and graciously and lovingly pray that you do that in the name of jesus amen one of the instances that tom spoke about last week in acts chapter four was a moment when there was an earthquake there were those people there gathered together and they received more of the holy spirit in that moment and some of those people who were there had been also at the day of pentecost they had received then when they came to that prayer meeting a further outpouring and the reason that this happens is because being a follower of Jesus is it's not a tick box exercise. It's not a case of stepping through a number of things like, have you repented of your sin? OK, tick that off. Yes. Eureka. Are you trusting Jesus for your salvation? Yes. Eureka. Can you say Jesus is Lord? Have you prayed the prayer? Are you still sleeping with your girlfriend? No. Eureka. Are you tithing now? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? You see, our process and rather task-driven brains can cause us to think in a very segmented fashion. Now, I'm not saying that these things are in any way wrong. We all need to acknowledge our need of a saviour. We all need to repent. We must declare that Jesus is Lord. But we don't do all of them just once, do we? Repentance will be a brilliant example of this. Who here would say that since they came to faith in Jesus, since they first repented of their sin, has not sinned again? I wonder if anyone would want to claim that. You see, the truth is we all need to go on repenting repeatedly, turning away and saying sorry for the wrongs we commit. What I'm seeking to make clear is that now that a foundation has been laid in us of rebirth. We are new creations. The work of the Spirit is effective now in our lives. We have been baptised. We don't need to do those things again. But there are things we do repeat. There are things that our hunger for God cause us to go back to again and again and again. Worship, prayer, repentance and being filled with the Spirit. But why is that? Well, this is where we come to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to start here at verse 15. And and I'm going to be focusing on one particular part. I'm going to be going through the rest of these verses, making one or two comments now uh, to help us see the context of what's being 
said to this church. For those not aware, this is Paul, he's writing, one of the greatest Christians of all time, uh, writing to this body of believers here in Ephesus about 30 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Paul by this time was an experienced leader, he was a pastor, an evangelist, a church planter, and he says to this church in Ephesus, verse 15 of chapter 5, be very careful then how you live. He spent the preceding chapter and a half pretty much exhorting this church to live in such a way that honours the calling they've received. It honours their salvation. He wants them to be gentle and patient, mature, loving, not given to sensuality or to, or to slander, but to be holy. There's quite a list, really, of expectations that Paul is placing on them. And then in verse 8 of chapter 5, he, he says, You are no longer in darkness. You are the children of the light, and the fruit of that light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. So, because of all of this, he says to them, be very careful how you live. Or to put it in other words, you are the flag bearers of Jesus' kingdom. What a gift that is to you. What a responsibility that is for you. Let me give you an example of how this works out in my own life. I'll give you a couple of these over the next few minutes. But to start off, I, would, I don't think that I would describe myself as being a gentle person. I can be gentle, but it's, it's not really a default setting, if you like. I, I have to choose to do it. And recently we were travelling and we broke our journey uh, just to kind of get a bit of a break and let the dog out of the car and whatever. But we did it by stopping for a for a cup of coffee. We went in, we ordered, and unfortunately they couldn't give me the thing that I wanted, the thing that I asked for. Instead, they, they tried to charge me full price for an alternative that I didn't ask for. And so, me being me, I, I challenged them over it. And this interaction just lasted several sentences and they accepted that they should only really charge me the thing for the thing that I asked for. You see, in that moment, gentleness in action would make the job of the person serving me easier by me accepting the situation. You see, it's not her decision to brew the coffee, it's not, or indeed to, to agree what the pricing strategy should be. In that moment, I got gentleness wrong. I fell short of the biblical expectation of me. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, living in such a way that we exhibit light, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil, it says in Ephesians 5. See, Paul is eager for this church to see that how they live in the context and the environment given to them, how they live will present opportunity for them as they are surrounded by evil. You know, we could fast forward this into 21st century Britain. Are we surrounded by evil? Let me phrase it maybe slightly differently for you. Are we surrounded by pain? Are we surrounded by suffering? Are we surrounded by anger, greed, intolerance? Are we surrounded by selfishness? Now, if you're not sure if those things are actually evil, it's very easy for us to measure. Are any of those actions, are any of those behaviours in heaven? No, they're not. Are they therefore evil? Yes, they are. Will any scheme or activity or weapon of Satan be found in heaven? The answer is no. It's therefore 
evil are we here now surrounded by evil yes we are are we therefore presented with opportunity to manifest the light yes we are that's who we are with a manifestation of the light of Christ in this age and so Paul gets to verse 17 he says do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is we could paraphrase Paul here for these few verses and the living bible does it this way just to help us to crystallize what he's saying he says so be careful how you act these are difficult days don't be fools be wise make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good don't act thoughtlessly but try to find out and do whatever the lord wants you to as jesus followers in 21st century britain we could see the evil around us and think, oh my scone, this is terrible. What are we to do? Isn't it dreadful? Or we could choose to think, isn't it amazing that Jesus has given us this time now, the age of the spirit, the age of the coming kingdom to manifest the light of Christ. Let's make the most of this opportunity. It is the will of God that you and I are alive right now in this place among these people. This is the time we live in. We are fulfilling God's will now. And what we will see over the next few minutes is that there is an eternal link between our satisfaction in Jesus because of the Holy Spirit and the fulfilment of God's will. And that link starts right here in Ephesians 5 verse 18 as Paul makes this stark comparison between the temporary, the foolish and somewhat unwise pursuit of satisfaction of being filled with wine and being filled with the Spirit. He says to them, verse 18, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now I can tell you, I have been enjoying wine for over 30 years. I know it's not to everyone's taste, so you could replace wine with lager or IPA or gin or Robinson's Blackcurrant Cordial if you like, but to me and, and millions of others, wine is really the ideal drink. With or without food, quietly at home or with friends, put a glass of Rioja in front of me and I will gladly imbibe. I can also tell you that there are limitations to his satisfaction. How long after a glass of wine am I still actually enjoying it? If I'm waiting on a little more but the last of the bottle drains into someone else's glass, there's no more to enjoy. It's gone. It's finite. Consume a bit too much and the next day, well, dehydration will kick in. For some, and clearly this was the case with the Ephesians, Wine was taking them away, taking them right back, in fact, to all the behaviour that Paul had been seeking to disciple them away from. But, you see, not only are the pleasures of the earth temporary, they are also potentially destructive. So he gives them this essential instruction in view of everything 
he's been exhorting them to, in view that he knows Jesus taught the disciples that the Father would give the Holy Spirit to those who asked, because he knows that the commission upon the church is to go to the ends of the earth making disciples, he says to them, be filled with the Spirit. Or to put it more accurately, go on being filled with the Spirit. You see, this is not a one-time instruction or a one-time offer. The kind of filling he is referring to here is an ongoing, continuous, repeating filling, a recurring event wherein these Jesus people would be filled again and again. The word he uses here is used in other places in the New Testament. It's like when Mary poured perfume on Jesus' feet, the whole, hill, the whole house was filled, consumed with the aroma. When the wind blew through that room in Jerusalem as they waited on God, the whole house was filled. The kind of filling Paul prays for this church in Ephesus, that they would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. The whole fullness of God in us. How? By the Spirit. The kind of filling Paul prays for the Colossians, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will by the Spirit. The kind of filling Paul prays for the Roman church, that they may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. Jesus does not want us to be tricked by some cheap imitation. Jesus does not want us to cover over the opportunities or the evil around us by dulling our hearts and minds with wine. Jesus wants us to have the real thing again and again and again. Indeed, just as they were in Acts 2, drunk with the Holy Spirit. We need to go on being filled because the result of that, the result of that is the fulfilment of God's will. The other example of all this from my own life is a little more positive. I, the kind of person I find it, I find it hard to identify the opportunities I'm being presented with to share my knowledge and experience of Jesus with people as I go about my life. It doesn't come naturally to me as I know it does for others. However, when I have spent time seeking to be filled with the Spirit, when I have encountered God powerfully in times of worship or prayer, be that on my own or in a gathered moment, I, I know I am a lot more alert. A little while ago I had a conversation with a colleague of mine in the kitchen of our factory. He was telling me about how his daughters were frustrated with the Covid quarantine arrangements and this was affecting their study for university and it was creating some frustration in their household. I was very easily and naturally able to talk to him about how the peace of knowing Jesus covered the irritation of broken plans and heated family situations. I was able to share my experience of praying for peace to cover anxiety. And after this interaction happened, I was immediately aware of how on the preceding weekend I had had this particular moment of receiving from God. And there was there was no doubt in me that I had seen the opportunity in that moment and acted on it as a result of being more sensitive to the situation by the work of the spirit in me. That's what he does. Now, everything I've spoken up to now is to show why it is essential to our existence as Jesus followers to go on being filled with the Spirit. It affects how we live, the responsibility that we have of the opportunity around us, if you like, our calling 
requires it. What I want to do in the last few minutes is to explain how this happens, because there is an eternal link between our satisfaction in Jesus through the Holy Spirit and the fulfilment of God's will. As I said earlier on, my prayer is that there would be an appetite born in us today, or maybe for some just resurrected in us today, for the fulfilment of God's will through the Spirit-filled Church of Jesus. Now that means that I've set myself a goal of summarising the New Testament, the message of the New Testament, in the next five minutes. But let's face it, I'm not going to manage that, am I? But really, you see, what it's about is how we take in of Jesus, because then we will see the will of God fulfilled. So really, how do we take in Jesus? Well, we could now read John chapter 6 and chapter 7, but then we'd be well over time. Let me summarise those two chapters for you very briefly. Chapter 6, John chapter 6. Jesus, there at the start of that, works miraculously and provides food to eternal life for thousands of people on a hillside. He then walks on water and goes on to explain to them that whoever comes to him will never be hungry or thirsty, but they will actually be the fulfilment of God's will, that those who feed on Jesus will live forever. And then in chapter 7, Jesus tries to keep out of the spotlight, really, but the spotlight somehow finds him. And there's some discussion there about him being the Messiah, and they try to arrest him. And it then culminates that chapter and all of this in John chapter 7, verse 37. 737 says this, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So how do we take in Jesus? We come to him thirsty and believe. We come to him hungry and believe. The promise here is that those who come to Jesus and believe in him, then rivers of the Spirit will flow from inside of you. The promise can now be fulfilled. It is being fulfilled. Jesus has been glorified. The Spirit has come and he will keep on coming. So whatever it is you are hungry for, it will only be satisfied in Jesus by the Spirit. If you're hungry to see healing for those in pain, if you're thirsty to bring hope to the suffering, if you're desperate to see your angry relative know peace, if you yearn for the poor to be treated with dignity, if you are hungry for kindness to be shown to the marginalised, if you're thirsty for selflessness to conquer pride, then be repeatedly filled with the Spirit. What that means for us is that we need to get the balance right. We need a balanced diet. There's no doubting the power of the Word of God. Since the invention of the printing press, it's been possible for scripture to be duplicated many times over and distributed to anyone who could read. In recent years, the ability to print Bibles has saved millions across East Asia and particularly in China. And even more recently, the Internet has made it far easier to access information and teaching and resources and study materials in a way that even 20 years ago was 
limited to people who had libraries or financial resources to buy books and go on courses. Just, it's just amazing how all of that works. And then you even look at John's Gospel. He starts his Gospel out by referring to Jesus as the Word who became flesh. Jesus then confirms that in his own words by saying to these Jewish listeners here that Moses gave you bread, but I give you the bread from heaven. Come to me and you will never go hungry. But I have to tell you that what has happened, particularly in the West, more than in other parts of the world actually, is that we have developed an inclination for our experience and our understanding of the Father and his kingdom and even the person of Jesus to come from the written word. How much we read, how much we study, the journals we keep, the podcasts we listen to, they have become the measure of our maturity. We function well in that space, partly because our education system is founded on reading schemes. But what easily happens is that our growth as Jesus followers is founded on reading the right books or following the right preachers on social media. Sometimes, by accident, we have replaced the word, being the person of Jesus, with written words. Our passion to develop our minds has become greater than our passion for the one who can fill our minds. And Jesus addresses this head on in that same verse there in John chapter 6, 35. And he says, you will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And you zoom on one chapter to chapter 7, verse 87, read it a few moments ago, where he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And for those who believe, rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit, will flow from within them. We need to recalibrate our diet. Much as we do at this time of year in the physical after Christmas, I know I need to set my diet to an intake that will keep my middle age spread under control. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help our experience of God go beyond what we read. By being repeatedly filled with the Spirit, we keep our spiritual diet in balance. See, if all we ever do is to eat on the Word, we will blow up. And if we fail to drink, we will dry out. A healthy spiritual diet will draw in a balanced measure between the truth we absorb with our minds and the truth we receive in our hearts. One final story, just to show you how the Holy Spirit can deal with our hearts in a way that just hearing truth didn't quite cover it for me. My dad died suddenly in 2002. And initially I I aggrieved his loss. I, I knew he had died and I knew that he would now be with Jesus for all of eternity. And at those moments when you are reminded of a parent who has passed away, I could I could tell myself that all was well for him and, and for my mum who was left behind. But about four years after he died, it became clear that I was still trying to hold on to him, almost trying to live as if he were alive. There was something deep in my heart that said he's still around. It took a prophetic revelation to a good friend of mine to see that I'd not let him go. She saw a picture of me walking with someone whom I knew, but but no one else around me knew he was even there. And she said, it's time to let that walk 
finish. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit ministered a release, a freedom and a peace that brought my grieving to a conclusion. The Holy Spirit worked in my heart in a way that written or spoken words just hadn't. Over the coming weeks, we'll be covering this relational experience in more detail. What it looks to live life in the Spirit, in our thinking and our actions and how he works through us. We are, if you like, embarking on a drinking tour of the New Testament. For now, I can tell you that Jesus' promise to us is that our Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to us in a way that makes even the most generous of earthly fathers look a bit stingy. Because everyone who asks, receives. So really, the start point is this. Believe that when you come to him, he will fill you again and again and again. My personal testimony of that is it's 100% true. I know that if I stop whatever I'm doing, even for just a few moments, and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, he will. And he does. Father, I want to pray for anyone hearing this and maybe just hasn't had that one of that first time experience of being filled that just as they turn their face to you now as they turn their attention to you believe you to have faith and trust you that you would come and meet with them and fill them up for the first time for those who know that they have received and initially have have received that filling of the holy spirit in their lives that i just would ask you you continue to pour out the Holy Spirit, in tremendous measure, to minister to our hearts, to meet us in the place that we are at, to minister peace and kindness and goodness as you always do. We can trust you, confidence in you, that whenever we turn and we seek more, whenever we seek again, that you will give freely to your children as they ask. Amen.